one semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about Taylor Swift's sexual assault trial. And I'll be talking about one father's search for his daughter's killer. Ooh. Ooh. What are you doing? Ooh. Hmm. I think I know what you're doing. You do? You said it was local, It is right? local. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? We can bleep it. Okay. Um, is it um, that dirt, that local dirtbag who killed the two women? Although he hasn't really gone to trial yet, so that'd, nope. be, that'd be cheating. Nope. Nope. It's not. Kyler used. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nope. Not him. Okay. It is local though. All right. All right. Well, I'll keep mm. my pants on. Keep your pants on, please. Stop sexually harassing me, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> you should see what she's wearing, guys. <laughs> um, you've been sexually harassing me since lunch. <laughs> it's true. Well, oh God, I re- I was about to say something, then I realized I sounded like a gross guy. So I was about to say. You looked so pretty, which is what they all say. They're like, it was a compliment. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, you can't even take a compliment. <laughs> okay, I saw someone tweet the other day. I thought this was so funny. It's not the right word. It was just so true. It was like, before the Me Too movement, dude, you look pretty. After the Me Too movement, dude, you look pretty. Although I guess I can't say that now because of the Me Too movement. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like nothing has changed for these dirt bags uh, and i guess i'm a dirt bag You're a dirt bag i'm sorry i'm just a teenage dirt bag baby brandy looks pretty i'll keep it to myself <laughs> um <clears throat> you also look beautiful oh, Kristen. thanks about two hours later <laughs> all right uh do you know anything about what i I'm- know nothing about what you're talking about all right enlighten I'm- me I knew you educate me. Oh, hey, I'm about to quote Taylor Swift here. <laughs> You're stepping all over it. I knew you were trouble when you walked in, Brandy. <laughs> Excellent. It's June second, twenty thirteen. Hey, did you hit record? Oh shit, did I? Oh god, oh please. Yes, I did. <laughs> Excellent. Done. Oh god, oh please. <laughs> <laughs> we can't lose those brilliant first three minutes. No. Can't get those back. We're backstage at a Taylor Swift concert in Denver, Colorado. Mm. Taylor's doing a meet and greet with her fans. There's a line of people. They're coming up a few at a time to say hi and get pictures with her. David Mueller and his girlfriend, Shannon Melcher, were both in line. And they both worked for KYGO, which is like a big country music station in Denver. David is a more... I thought you were going to say they worked for KY Jelly. Don't you wish, you perv. (laughs) No. K-Y-G-O. You could see my confusion, though, when you were like, they both worked for K-Y-G... I'm sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) (laughs) They came in lubed up, ready to go. Ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) So David's a morning DJ. I'm not sure what Shannon did, but she worked for the radio station, too. At any rate, they go up to Taylor, exchange some pleasantries, and then it's time to pose for the photo. As the photographer is taking the photo... Taylor says that David, this, she was 23 at the time, this random old DJ whom she'd never met before, Mm -hmm. reached up the back of her dress and grabbed her bare ass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you not know any of this? 
I don't know anything about this. This it is nuts. Okay, so he grabbed her bare ass. She tried to scoot away, you know, scooting toward his Uh girlfriend. Um, but his hand didn't move. It was unmistakable. His hand was up her dress and on her ass. Oh my gosh. Taylor was shocked. And then, you know, the moment was over. David and Shannon walked off. Taylor, I mean, was understandably horrified. Yeah. Wasn't sure what to do. There was still this line of fans waiting to meet her. So she just opted to keep the meet and greet going. Um... And when she could kind of break free from it, she went to her mom, Andrea, and told her what had just happened. Andrea was super pissed. Mm -hmm. She wanted to do something. So she spoke with a couple of people on Taylor's management team about what happened. From there, the Taylor team moved quickly. Uh, Before the concert started, security spotted David. They went up to him. They were like, hey, we know what you did. Get the hell out of here. Uh Shannon was also kicked out, which I don't think is fair, but you know, whatever. The next day... Taylor Swift's radio promotions director, Frank Bell, was like, what happened last night was not okay. That was really gross. So he called KY Jelly, a.k.a. (laughs) KYGO, and he spoke to a vice president over there. Uh And he was like, hey, just so you know, I work for Taylor Swift, and she says your morning DJ assaulted her in the meet and greet last night. Mm -hmm. Here's what she says happened. And oh, by the way, we have a picture of it. (gasps) Okay, so I've been debating where in this I should... Because the photograph was found by TMZ. It's available online. It does not... I mean, it's not taken from the back. So it doesn't show for sure. Um, But go ahead and Google Taylor Swift. um, Maybe lawsuit? Oh, yeah. So have you clicked on the full image? Yeah. Um, I think it's really bad. Yeah. So you can see Taylor is like sandwiched right next to Shannon. Mm-hmm. And David has like this shit eating grin. Yeah. And some newspapers are like, his hand is positioned below her waist. I mean, it's on her ass. It's on her ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clearly on her ass. I think the only thing you can't tell clearly from the picture is that it's under her yeah, yeah. dress. You can't tell that, but I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's a it's a really bad photo. Yeah. So this VP hears this story. He's like, yikes. At the time, David had been working there for like six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on a two-year contract for 150 grand a year. Wow. I know. It's more than I thought he'd be making, yeah, too. I know radio DJs made that kind of money. Maybe the morning shows. The morning shows are kind of the mm-hmm. big ones. Afternoon shows, though, are big ones, too, because that's your drive home. <laughs> it mm. sure is. <laughs> <laughs> but the morning show is your drive you know, into work. The drive at five. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> so this VP's like, okay, could you send me the photo? Mm-hmm. And Frank was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So the radio station got the photo, and of course... Like I said, it's a photo taken from the front. It doesn't definitively show that David groped her, but it looks really bad. Yeah. So the VP met with some of the others of the station's other management. They talked it over, talked to David. And of course, David denied touching Taylor inappropriately. But they conducted their investigation. And the station's management said that David's story about what happened at that meet and greet kept changing. It mm. seemed fishy. Ultimately, they decided... They didn't want to keep him around. Yeah. Apparently, they thought about firing him a few times before this. Again, he'd only been there six, six months. months. So, like, yeah. how bad an employee are you? Um, and this was the last straw. 
They let him go, saying he'd violated the morality clause of his contract. Mm -hmm. So that was that. Uh, Morning DJ allegedly groped Taylor Swift and lost his job. End of story. No. No. This is not... Let's Let's go to... Go to groping? (laughs) (laughs) Two years passed. Mm -hmm. It was 2015. David felt that he had been wronged. (laughs) What? The look on your face. He hadn't grabbed Taylor Swift inappropriately, and yet he'd lost his job. So he looked himself in the mirror and he said, let's go to court. He did not. Uh, Yeah, he did. Two years after the fact. What? He sued Taylor Swift for three million dollars. Okay. He claimed that she'd made a false accusation that cost him his employment and had done irreparable harm to his reputation. Okay. Her accusation, Brandy, made no sense. Mm. You see, over the course of his career, he'd met hundreds of celebrities, and none of them had ever accused him of inappropriate touching. Okay. Which I think is like the lamest. That is. That's a terrible I mean, excuse. Tons of creeps <laughs> yeah. haven't had like public yeah. shit come out about them. Plus, who on earth would be dumb enough to do something like this? Well, you. Who? Oh, no. No, no, no. Who would sexually assault a famous person in public with tons of people around and a camera aimed right at them? Mm-hmm. Only an idiot. And David Mueller is not an idiot. I I don't like the way you're looking at me. You know, the really sad thing is that this whole thing was a big misunderstanding. Hmm. It was a case of mistaken identity. What? Yes. This yes. is some other douchebag? You, you just don't understand. <laughs> you sound like the Taylor team right now. <laughs> See, someone had groped Taylor Swift that night, um, and that person had worked for the local country radio station. Don't scrunch your eyebrows like that. Uh, but the person was not David. It was David's co-worker, a guy named Craig. Craig with no last name. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot like David. <laughs> Yeah, so this lawsuit blames it on Craig, gives no last name Mystery for Mystery Craig. Craig. Mystery Craig. We all have one in our lives. <laughs> that night, the evil Craig with no last name came up to David and demonstrated how he'd gone through the meet and greet and he'd bragged about how he'd put his hands on Taylor Swift's bottom. So that was David's lawsuit. Taylor Swift had made a terrible false accusation against him And, um, you know, two years after the fact, he was just now coming forward to say that some dirtbag named Craig was the guy who'd done it all along. So let's make this right. Taylor Swift was not impressed. Yeah. She was like, wow, okay, I know who did this. I have a photo from the moment it fucking happened. Yeah, how's he going to contest this photo? I mean, this case is infuriating. It was definitely David Mueller. Unless it was Craig. (laughs) Yeah. Mystery Craig. Do we have a photo of him? Mm, Probably not. Looking back, she said, 
Right as the moment came for us to pose for the photo, he took his hand and put it up my dress and grabbed onto my ass cheek, and no matter how much I scooted over, it was still there. It was completely intentional. I've never been so sure of anything in my life. Wow. Taylor was pissed off. So she said, Okay, dirtbag. I see your lawsuit, and I raise you a countersuit yes. for assault and battery. Because yet you're not the only one who can go to court over this. She sued him for one dollar. Ooh. She said she didn't really need more money. She was countersuing because she felt like it was the right thing to uh-huh. do. She said she hoped her lawsuit would serve as an example to other women who may resist publicly reliving similar outrageous and humiliating acts. Wow. Yeah. A few months later, in 2016, David added a slander claim against Taylor Swift. Okay. He's great. He's, he's a great guy. Everybody is a I big fan. I don't care for David at all. Already? I'm only four pages into the script. <laughs> months went by. David did his deposition, and in that deposition, he said that he had audio recordings from his termination. That was huge. His case was about wrongful termination. Having those recordings could be potentially very helpful Mm -hmm. and very damning to the other side. Yeah. Except um, he did have to admit that he had edited those tapes down a bit at his discretion. Okay, great. Um... And if anyone wanted to hear the full files, well, that couldn't happen. Because, you see, he'd had a little Butterfingers moment uh, by his computers. He's, mm-hmm. He'd oopsly, oopsie, he'd spilled his coffee on his laptop, Brandy. So just take his word for okay. it. Okay. All right, Brandy, I see how you're looking at me. And it's like the way the judge looked at him. <laughs> um, the judge was not super understanding, probably not a coffee drinker. So the judge sanctioned dis- David for destroying evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's full of shit. Yes. So these two lawsuits kept moving forward and, you know, they were kind of paired together. Yeah. Finally, in August of 2017, the civil trial began before a jury of six women and two men. Only a jury of eight? Yeah, civil trial. Hmm, I didn't know only eight people sat on a civil trial. Are you learning a lot from me I'm today? Learning so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like one of us went to law school. <laughs> <laughs> For a semester. <laughs> Taylor's attorney, Douglas Baldridge, laid out the accusation against David Mueller. He'd groped Taylor Swift, he'd destroyed evidence, and he was constantly changing his story. Yeah. It took him two fucking years to come forward with this story about how it was really Craig who'd groped Taylor. According to Douglas, David at one point, I guess during a deposition, had identified Craig as Eddie Haskell, Mm. his former boss. So, okay, side note. I watched some, like, Good Morning America um, clips from, like, people standing outside the courtroom and walking in. And Eddie Haskell was walking in and they were like, Hey, hey, how do you feel? You know, I understand that he at one point accused you of doing this. And he was like, I'm pissed about that. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> Isn't Eddie Haskell the name of the bad kid in uh, Leave It to, Leave Beaver. to Beaver? Yeah. Oh, my God, Brandy. My dad will be so happy you mentioned it. <laughs> I knew the connection, but I was like, I'm not going to say it because who's going to know? It's like a TV show from the 50s. Yeah. But. I knew my dad would be like, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's Eddie Haskell. Leave it to Beaver. Can't believe you didn't mention it. Okay. Don't but. worry, DP. I got it in there. Yeah. <laughs> we 
When David Mueller took the stand, and it was time for Douglas to cross-examine him, Douglas said, hey, at one point you tried to pin this whole thing on your old boss. And David was like, uh, no, no, never. Uh, that, that wasn't me, that was Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Every bad thing I've ever done is really Craig. <laughs> David's case was about how Taylor and her team had pressured the radio station to fire him, and it was so unfair. But he did have to admit that numerous supervisors at his work had talked about letting him go before this incident occurred. What the fuck was he doing in the six months that he worked there? I don't know. I don't know how bad you have to be at your job to lose it that fast. Um, and yeah, yeah, he had been fired from a radio job in Minneapolis, and He'd also been fired from another radio job in Kansas City. Mm. So Taylor's lawyer was like, hey, man. What station was he with in Kansas City? Which one do you think? Um, Q104. Okay, you're thinking country. Yeah. And I get that. But let me... So most most DJs don't stick within... Oh, a, genres. So, so just, just think of this guy. Uh, 98.9 The Rock. Oh, no. Okay, I... All right. No. What, what was he at? I'll give you one more guess. Come on. No, I don't want to guess again. <laughs> 96.5. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He this was, guy was at 96.5? He was fired from 96.5. I couldn't figure out what he did there. I tried to do that a little bit this morning. Wow. And I'm sorry for people who aren't local. Like five That's people my are radio excited. Station. I know. It's it's the radio station that we listen to. Yeah. Um, but they have a few dirt bags on there. And yeah. I'm surprised they fired him, frankly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, um, (laughs) Taylor's lawyer was like, hey, man, isn't it possible that you've had trouble finding a job because you kind of suck? I mean, he didn't say that, but, you know, that was the vibe. Don't you think being fired in Kansas City hurt your career? Yeah. And David said, I can't imagine it didn't. So, um, you know, maybe he wasn't the greatest employee, but he for sure didn't grope Taylor Swift. For sure, Brandy. For sure. That never happened. It was Craig. In court, they busted out the photograph, which, I mean, if I was his attorney, I don't think I'd want to go near it. Yeah. Um, And David said, yeah, it doesn't look great, but it was nothing inappropriate. I mean, I may have touched her body when I was trying to jump into the photo. I mean, jostled her rib cage. Hmm. Her, his hand's nowhere near her rib cage. Well, and what a weird... Like, yeah. She her rib cage. He said, My hand came into contact with part of her body. I felt what appeared to be a rib cage or rib. And it went behind her, and her hand or arm went behind my arm. Okay. Let me wrap this up for you. <laughs> he didn't do it. Uh-huh. And if he did do it, it was a total accident. Yeah. So everybody shut up. Yeah. So... <laughs> Taylor's legal team had a theory, and I think this is weird and kind of interesting, that he had groped her in part as a power move because his feelings had been hurt. Mm. He was this local DJ. He'd showed up at the Taylor Swift concert with his girlfriend, and he expected to be treated like a VIP, but he wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. He'd had to stand in line with all the unwashed masses. Unwashed masses! And when he finally got a chance to talk to Taylor, she wasn't very warm and cuddly. Mm. Instead, she bonded with David's now former girlfriend, Shannon. I can't imagine why they broke up. Yeah, the nerve. So when David was on the stand, Taylor's attorney was like, 
hey, how'd you feel about Taylor that day? What'd you think? And David said, when she didn't invite me over to pose for the photograph with her, I considered her cold and standoffish. She didn't acknowledge me. I'm so grossed out by this Yeah. Time. I think they're on to something with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later, Taylor's mom took the stand. She talked about the moment that Taylor told her what had happened. She said that she wanted to vomit and cry at the same time. And then, in a dramatic courtroom moment that I've only seen happen in movies, and apparently in this trial, her mom said, he sexually assaulted her. And she pointed right at David, and she goes, right there, that guy, I heard it from my daughter's mouth, I know that it happened. (gasps) Ooh. 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 Yeah. Go, Andrea. Then, Taylor Swift took the stand. And she was amazing. She was confident, direct, sassy as hell, not here to take shit from anybody. Here are some highlights. Hold on to your pants. Oh, buckle up. I haven't told you to buckle up in a while. Oh, that was not enthusiastic. You're going to fall right out of Uh -uh. your seat. I did that so good. (laughs) (laughs) David's lawyer was Gabriel McFarland. And at one point he asked her, Hey, shouldn't you be more critical of your bodyguard? No. How is it my bodyguard's fault? And Taylor said, I'm critical of your client sticking his hand under my skirt and grabbing my ass. Yeah. At another point, Gabriel was like, how did you react when you learned that David had been fired? He lost his job. And she said, I'm not going to to allow you or your client to make me feel in any way that this is my fault, because it isn't. No. I am being blamed for the unfortunate events of his life that are a product of his decisions and not mine. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. At another point, Gabriel was like, hey, if you were so upset about this and if you were so shocked that he groped you, why didn't you end the meet and greet? You could have ended it. And she said, and your client could have taken a normal photo with me. Mm-hmm. So... There was a lot of talk at this at trial, and I didn't really write much down, but basically there was worry that people wouldn't understand that there's not a right or wrong way to react after something horrible happens right. to you, which I yeah. wish people would like understand that there's more than one way to yeah, react. But absolutely I, there I is. feel like this is a really common way to do it, of being kind of shocked. Yes. And just kind not of even going... processing it until yeah, later. Like going into like robot mode, yeah. do what you have to do, and then later you tell someone. I think yes, that's I think that's totally normal. normal. Yes. Then they took out the infamous photo. And Gabriel said, okay, if this is a picture of the assault, then why isn't your the front of your skirt wrinkled or lifted? And she said, because my ass is located at the back of my body. <laughs> That's so good. Finally, she said, Gabe, this is a photo of him with his hand up my skirt with his hand on my ass. You can ask me a million questions. I'm never going to say anything different. I never have said anything different. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Love love it. She got um, a lot of praise for this testimony. And some of the media outlets were a little, you know, uptight. I listened to a few that were like, she repeatedly used a three letter word. And it took me a while to realize. Ass? Yeah, that's it. But it took me a while to realize, okay, what's a three letter word? Um, But anyway, the theory was that you just want to be direct and a little shocking because that's what. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. 
I don't know if that was a strategy or what, but... No, I think it's perfect, though. Yeah. If it was a strategy. Because I think a lot of people would be tempted in a formal setting to say backside, and I think that totally cleanses it. Yeah, it does. But when you say, he reached up my dress and grabbed a handful of my ass, well... Yeah. Paints a picture. (laughs) The media went wild over Taylor's testimony. A writer for GQ said... She dropped the mic so hard it fell through the fucking floor. Only question is, where can we get another mic? This one has been annihilated. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So now we're four days into the trial, Uh and the judge hits pause. So let's back up a second. David's lawsuit against Taylor hadn't just named Taylor. He'd also claimed that Taylor's mom, Andrea, and her radio promotions manager, Frank Bell, had, like, all worked together in concert to put pressure on the station to fire him, Mm -hmm. using this false accusation. So Judge William Martinez was like, hey, everybody, hold the phone. He sent the jury home for the day. At some point, I believe it was during this portion where the jury was out, he talked to David's lawyer in court, and he said, hey, you're saying that Taylor Swift made up this story about your client and that it caused him harm and that she like knowingly did it, but you haven't presented any evidence to show that she knowingly made this story up. So David's lawyer, Gabriel McFarland, was like, okay, my client didn't grope Taylor Swift, but yeah, if you're asking for proof that she made up these charges, yeah, I don't don't have have it. it. He said, to be candid, I don't think there is evidence that she didn't believe Mr. Mueller inappropriately touched her. So the judge said, all right, with none of that evidence present, I'm ruling that you have to drop Taylor Swift from that lawsuit. Yeah. You haven't supplied sufficient evidence to show that Taylor Swift acted improperly when she reported an assault that she believed happened. So that portion of this case is just done. Yeah. To be clear, I think it's obvious, but... I'll do the little caveat. The judge was not saying, hey, he definitely groped her. He was just saying that a jury couldn't make a decision on whether she knowingly brought a false charge based on this lack of evidence. So after that, Taylor's team was all hugging, smiling, having a good time. Uh, The judge said that the suit would continue against the other two defendants. Mm -hmm. And of course, the argument that Taylor Swift's lawyer made was that her mom and employee hadn't like interfered to get this guy fired. They just reported the assault yeah they hadn't even reported it to the police it was just to the guy's employer they told the story they supplied the photograph what happened next was the radio station's decision in closing arguments taylor's lawyer douglas baldridge reiterated their side and said that taylor was only seeking one dollar in compensation because she didn't want to bankrupt david yeah i think that's pretty amazing it is amazing she She could could have have. annihilated this guy All she wanted to do was send a message. She saw this lawsuit as more symbolic than anything. She wanted to show women that they could report an assault without the fear of being sued by their attacker. Then Douglas went on the attack. He told the jury that David was a story-changing, evidence-destroying aggressor. He begged them not to reward the guy with a payday. Mm Mm-hmm. But David's lawyer got up and said that this was all wrong. He showed the jury the picture where the alleged groping occurred, which I think is like the dumbest thing. It's such a bad showing them that it's a bad picture. I mean, when I saw the picture, I was like, oh, boy, it happened. Did Taylor Swift really look like she was being groped in that moment? Yes. Afterward, did she act like she'd been groped? Not one bit. 
She was smiling in the photo. Because she's at her job. Yeah, exactly. Afterwards, she continued the meet and greet. She didn't freak out or cry or do any of the things that you're supposed to do. The jury went into deliberation, and ultimately they found in favor of Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. David Mueller was guilty of assault and battery, and he was ordered to pay her $1. Excellent. The jury also found that Taylor's mom and her manager had not interfered with David's employment contract, so he could go to hell. Yeah. Um... That year, Time Magazine gave their annual Person of the Year award to a lot of the women who'd broken silence about sexual assault, and one of them was Taylor Swift. In, oh. an, in an interview, they asked her how it felt to testify. And here's what she said. This is kind of long, but I think it's really good. Yeah. When I testified, I had already been in court all week and had to watch this man's attorney bully, badger, and harass my team, including my mother, over inane details and ridiculous minutiae accusing them and me of lying. My mom was so upset after her cross-examination. She was physically too ill to come to court the day I was on the stand. I was angry. In that moment, I decided to forego any courtroom formalities and just answer the questions the way it happened. This man hadn't considered any formalities when he assaulted me, and his lawyer didn't hold back on my mom. Why should I be polite? I'm told it was the most amount of times the word ass has ever been said in Colorado federal court. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, in that interview, she also revealed that David still hadn't paid her that dollar. Wow. Mm-hmm. So after that interview came out, obviously he got a lot of heat. Uh-huh. <sighs> so David sent her the payment in the form of a Sacagawea coin. He told the Associated, the Associated Press that he did that as a final jab at her. How, why is that a jab? Okay, so I had the same question. Yeah. One story just left it at that. I'm like, I don't I get don't it. I don't get it. Like, I know sometimes it's annoying to use, like, a coin when you want a bill. But yeah. It, so here's what he said. I mean, if this is all about women's rights, it's a little poke at them a little bit. I mean, they've made this into a publicity stunt, and this is my life. So Sacagawea was a woman, so... Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay. In 2018, David Mueller got a new job. Mm. He was hired by a radio station in Greenwood, Mississippi, to join their morning show, Jackson and John Bob. John Bob? (laughs) That's terrible. As soon as the hiring was announced, a lot of people were upset, as you might imagine. Yeah. And they felt like David didn't deserve to work in radio anymore. But his new boss came to his defense. This is the most tone-deaf interview. He said that uh, he thought David was innocent and sincere. Here's a quote. I've been getting calls and emails from people saying, my uncle molested me when I was 14, or my boyfriend beat me severely. I understand that, and I'm sorry for those people that had to go through those ordeals, but what does that have to do with me, and what does that have to do with David Mueller? What? Idiot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You can't understand how people get upset about sexual assault? Yeah. Ugh. Um, in conclusion, I'm sorry, it's another one where I have, like, no ending prepared. Uh, that's the story of Taylor Swift taking a douchebag to court. Ugh. 
That was terrible. It was terrible, but I thought she did such she an did amazing so job. Good. She did so good. Ugh. But have you ever heard of a bigger douchebag? No. I gotta look him up. I don't remember him working at the Buzz at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that Taylor Swift case. I was shocked that you didn't I, like, know it. I don't think I've ever heard anything about it. Um, I I remember following it when it happened. I, I was blown away by it. Gosh. I'm usually so up on my celebrities. I know. Well, you're not a big Taylor fan. She's all right. Exactly. (laughs) I don't think she deserved to be sexually assaulted. No, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Should we talk about a murder? A murder? I am willing to bet you've never heard of this. Really? Well, you know what? I am willing to agree because you know all the dark, creepy shit. And I really, you know... I've got my limits. (laughs) Happened in 2002. Oh, really? Yeah. So we were in high school. Okay. Go on. Go on. (laughs) Okay, we'll just jump right in. I will say I got um, a lot of this information from two really good sources. One was a TV show, and now I have to look up the name of it. Hold on. Oh, shit. Well, it's a stupid name. I'm sorry, whoever works on this TV show. It was called... Stolen voices, buried secrets. Oh, God. Discovery ID. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just know. Mm-hmm. And then the other was from a podcast, Generation Y. Oh, okay. Which They're is another, it's another local Kansas City podcast, and they had a really good episode on cool. this case. All right, so let's jump right in. It's June 18th, 2012. Nope. It's June 18th, 2002. <laughs> It's June 18th, 2012. No, go back in time 10 years to June 18th, 2002. Well, it seems like there's an easier way to do this. We're in Leewood, Kansas. Oh, okay. So this is one of the most upscale areas of Johnson County. You know, my bubble. (laughs) Allie Kemp was a 19-year-old college student home for the summer after her first year at Kansas State University. And on this particular day, Allie was working at her neighborhood pool located near the intersection of 123rd and State Line. Oh, I know this one. You do know this one? Yes. Who? Yeah. Okay. So I I had a lot of trouble finding the exact location. And so Mm -hmm. I went to my sources Okay. My dad. Okay. <laughs> Text my dad. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's right off 123rd and State Line. Of so course. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere between 100 and on like somewhere right off of 123rd between State Line and Mission Road. Okay. There's really nice neighborhoods there. My dad was a bricklayer when I was a baby and he used to um, he laid a bunch of brick at a bunch of the houses. in okay. that area. <laughs> very, very nice area. Anyway, she's just like working at her community pool. It's like an overcast day. The pool's not super busy. And somewhere just before three o'clock, she texts, um, she, I'm sorry, she calls her best friend, Laurel. And she says something like, come up here and hang out with me. And Laurel's like, absolutely, I'm on my way. Yeah. Laurel pulls into the pool parking lot sometime after three, 315, something like that. She And she as she pulls in, she, like, makes eye contact with this guy who's leaving the pool. They kind of, like, wave at each other. Mm-hmm. She thinks she must know him. But she doesn't really recognize him. But, like, they make enough eye contact that they kind of wave at each other, which is a super Midwest thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> super Midwest. Whether you know someone or not, you make eye contact with them. You pretty much say hi or wave or something. 
Did I tell you when I, when I went to college in Boston, uh-huh. I would, when I passed people on the street, I would always wave and say hello. Uh-huh. And a lot of dudes thought I was like trying to start a conversation. Oh my gosh. My God, what is wrong with you people? I, this is Midwest polite. There's is, a limit. It's, it's hello and yes, we and that's go. it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's all it is. And so she just kind of has this moment, doesn't really think anything of it. The right. guy gets in a truck. He leaves. She gets out of her car. She goes into the pool. Only she can't find Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie's stuff is still there. Like her car's still there. But she looks around. She doesn't see her. And I'm unclear at that point if Laurel actually leaves or if she hangs out at the pool waiting for Allie to get back. But time passes and around five o'clock, Allie's brother, Tyler Kemp, shows up for his shift at the pool. So he's scheduled at five and he's Allie's relief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if they're like lifeguarding or if they're just kind of in charge of, you know, making sure that shit's not getting thrown everywhere. It's a really nice community. And so whatever. So he shows up at five. And he can't find Allie either. He goes into like the the pump room, which is like this little pool house where they keep mm-hmm. like the chemicals and stuff like that. He looks in there real quick. She's not in there. Um, but he starts to get concerned because, again, her stuff is there, but she's not. And she like he is her relief. So there's no way she could have left until he gets there. There's no way she should have. Left. Right. Right. And so he's concerned and he calls their dad, Roger. And so. It's like 5.15 and Roger Kemp shows up at the pool and he's alarmed immediately. And so he starts by looking in the pool. Like, mm-hmm. did something happen? Is she like at the bottom of the pool? And this is not a really big pool, It's right? not. It's not a big pool, but it does have a shallow and deep end. And right. so he checks the pool. She's not in it. He checks the surrounding area. She's not there. And then he goes into the pump room. Mm-hmm. At first glance, he doesn't really see anything out of order. And then he looks over and he sees that there's this tarp kind of spread out. And he goes and he looks closer at the tarp and he sees a leg under the tarp. Oh. And so he pulls the tarp back and there is Allie laying on the floor of the pump room. She is bloody. She has been beat like horribly he reaches under her and he feels her back Mm -hmm. and he's talking to her and she's unconscious but she's warm oh my god and so he calls the police gets paramedics there and he's just talking to her he's like he's like stay with me stay with me you're okay you're gonna be okay her shirt has been taken off and is like wrapped around her neck her sports bra has been pulled up and her mm. she's missing her bottoms. Like her mm. shorts and her underwear are gone. She's naked from the waist down. Paramedics get there. Police get there. They load her up, but she is declared dead on the way to the hospital. Oh. And so immediately a homicide investigation begins. Like somebody did this to her. Right. So they start looking at this pump room and there's blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's bits of evidence here and there that they're taking stock of. And then they start making a list of everybody who's at the pool. And so they've got, you know, people in the neighborhood. They've got a maintenance worker that happened to be there. And so, you know, they're kind of locking down the situation, taking inventory, whatever. As the investigation moves forward, an autopsy determines that Allie fought for her life. 
She was, her head was beat against the ground multiple times. Her fingers were broken from fighting so hard. She had just scrapes up and down both of her arms, like in defensive wounds. There was DNA from somebody else on her and there was blood from somebody else in the pump room. Mm -hmm. Both of her eyes were blackened. She had bruises all over her legs and inner thighs. It was clear that someone had attempted to assault her, but she had not actually been sexually assaulted. Wow. Yes. But she had fought hard. But unfortunately, you know, whoever this monster who had done this had had overpowered her and had killed her. So the investigation moves forward and they're kind of they're able to isolate out some DNA um, and know that that is the suspect. Yeah. But now they have to match it with somebody. It doesn't automatically just come back as a match in the system. And so they start by going down that list of people who were at the pool that day. And they start, you know, narrowing people down, like marking people off who live in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And they get to that maintenance guy who happened to be at the pool that day. And his name was Teddy Hoover. And so they track Teddy Hoover down, they go and talk to him. And he's like, yeah, I, I was at the pool that day. But, you know, I own a pool company. I was just trying to get their business. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'd just like to get a DNA sample from you just to just to clear you. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, 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 um, that's fine. You know, I'll I'll do that. But um, I want to talk to my lawyer first. Okay. And they're like, okay, all right, that's fine. Give us a call back once you've talked to your lawyer. Here's our you know, here's our information, Mm -hmm. whatever. Time passes. They're working on, um, they work with Laurel, the friend of Allie's who had come to the pool that day, because they figured out based on the timeline that the guy that she had waved at and made eye contact with was likely the guy who had killed Allie. And so she works with police and creates a composite sketch. Mm-hmm. So in the back, you know, part of the investigators are working on tracking down this list and eliminating people. Um, and then other people are focusing on this composite sketch. So she works with with investigators to put together this composite sketch and they find someone who matches it. His name is James Strader and he is a a mechanic or something like that that was working at an auto body shop near the pool that day. Um, he has a record of some kind of violent crime. They're not. I don't. I don't, I don't know the specifics. Yeah, and yeah. so they're like, well, "This is this might be our guy." He matches the the sketch like perfectly. Okay. And so they track him down. He has like an ironclad alibi. And so they're like, "Shit, shit, this isn't him." And so they they clear him, and then. He kidnaps a girl in South, like Southern Kansas, and then brings her back to the Kansas City area and rapes her. Oh my God. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, wait, maybe this is our guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they're like, okay, this has to be him. Like we cleared him too quickly. And so they're they're zeroed in on this James Strader guy. Mm-hmm. Only they can't find him now. He's on the run. Mm-hmm. So finally they track him down in Utah. Okay. They get his DNA. It's not him. It's not him maintenance guy so they're like back to square one okay so at this point they know they have that guy teddy hoover like yeah who was supposed to call them back about doing a dna test and mm-hmm. never did and so they go back to follow up on that and they find out that he's left town Ugh. only there's no record of any teddy hoover ever 
living anywhere where this guy lived. Uh Uh-huh. So they figure out that he gave them a fake name. Well, okay, now come on. How did they not know that more earlier on? I don't know. I don't know. So essentially they have a suspect, but they have no idea who he is. Yeah. And so the case is going to just go cold. And Roger Kemp... Allie's dad is like, not on my fucking watch. Mm -hmm. This case is not going cold. Yeah. And so he goes and he talks to Lamar Advertising. Have you ever heard of Lamar Advertising? Yes. Okay. So they are huge in billboards. Yes. And he has this revolutionary idea, this idea that's never been done before. This is believed to be the first instance this was ever used. It's used more now. He goes and talks to Lamar Advertising and he wants to put the composite sketch on a billboard, on Uh multiple billboards, you know, and start a tip line and offer a reward. Yes. And so billboards had been used, but it had usually been pictures of the victim or if they had an actual picture of a suspect. But all they had was a composite sketch. And so he goes and he talks to Lamar Advertising because he doesn't even know how much this costs. Yeah. Like a billboard could be crazy expensive. I assume it is. Yeah. They volunteer their services and they donate a billboard and they donated it in a super high profile area. I don't know exactly where it went up, but it was seen by 50,000 pairs of eyes a day. Wow. Yeah. And so it goes up and it starts bringing in tips. So investigators start following up on leads, but nothing's really nothing's really getting them anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then two tips come in. One says that they know Teddy Hoover's real identity. Okay. That his name is is Benjamin Appleby. Okay. And another comes in, and this tip is completely anonymous, saying that Teddy Hoover is Benjamin Appleby, and he's now living in Connecticut. All right. And so police track him down to Connecticut, and they go and they meet, Kansas police go and meet with Connecticut police, and they find out that Benjamin Appleby not only has a long record for indecent exposure, public mm-hmm. masturbation, Ew. all kinds of disgusting things, Gross. he also has an active warrant in Connecticut. And so Connecticut police can just go arrest him. Fantastic. I love it. Yes. And so Kansas detectives work with Connecticut detectives. So Connecticut detectives go and arrest him. They bring him in on this other warrant. And they're doing like the, the, the booking in procedure. Meanwhile, Kansas detectives are setting up in another room so that they can interrogate him after he's booked on this warrant. Yeah. So while he's being booked on this warrant, he asks the Connecticut authorities, like, am I going to get a chance to talk to my lawyer? And they're Mm -hmm. like, of course, of course, absolutely. You'll get a chance to talk to your lawyer. And so they, you know, book him in and then they show him that they have a warrant for his DNA. Mm -hmm. And so he signs off on the warrant saying, you know, he understands what's what's going on. He understands that he has to give a sample of his DNA. He understands that if he wishes to speak to um, his lawyer, he can. And then they get his DNA sample. Wait, didn't he say he wanted to talk to his lawyer? He asked if he'd get a chance to talk to his lawyer. Okay. He never asked to speak to his lawyer. Uh, I don't love that, but okay. So all of that goes down. They get his DNA sample. And then they're like, hey, we've got some detectives from Kansas in another room involving another case. They're interested in talking to you. Would you want to speak to them? Mm-hmm. And he's like... Yeah. Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll talk to him. 
What? Yeah. And so he goes into a room um, and sits down with the Kansas detectives and he starts talking to them. And at this point, they let him know that they know who he is, that his name's Benjamin Appleby, that he's uh-huh. and that he, they know he gave them a false name. And he's like, well, yeah, I got into some trouble in my past. And so I started going by the name Teddy Hoover, which is the name of a friend of mine from like middle school who died. Okay, did he kill him too? <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, geez. And so they ask him, you know, were you at that the pool that day? And at first he's like, no, no, I don't. I mean, I don't know what you're. I've never even never, heard of a pool. Yeah, never been no. to a pool. And don't so know they, about it. Like, like they get him talking a little more, and he admits that yes, he had been to the pool that day just to try and get the maintenance job on it, you know. But that's it. And they're like, okay, cool, cool. So they're like, okay, cool, cool. So you just stopped by the pool that day just to, you know, see if if you could get a maintenance job, huh? And he's like, yeah, I owned owned a pool company. And Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, cool. And they're like, hey, do you want to come in this other room with us? (laughs) And so they take him into a separate interrogation room. And in this room, they have a bunch of the evidence from the crime Mm. scene set up across the table. Uh And he sits down. And this is all on tape. Uh Uh-huh. This once they go into the other room, their first room was not recorded. When they go into the second room, it's all recorded. And he sits down and he just immediately can't stop staring at the evidence on the table. And then he just like sighs and puts his head in his hands and he's like, I did it. I killed her. What? Yeah. And they're like, okay, you know, tell us, tell us about it. Yeah. And so he says that he went to the pool that day in hopes to get a maintenance job and that he'd seen Allie and he thought that she was very good looking. And so he'd followed her into the pool room and he'd Mm -hmm. made a pass at her. He'd hit on her and she had turned him down. Yeah. And so when she was going to leave the pool room, he blocked the door. And again, she was like, yeah, no, I'm not interested. And so he said, In that moment, he just snapped and he lost it and he beat the hell out of her. And then he must have strangled her. Oh, yeah. Oopsies. Don't remember that. Yeah. So he knocked her to the ground. He beat the hell out of her. He beat her head against the ground multiple times. Her autopsy revealed there was like hemorrhaging that meant that her strangulation took between 11 and 16 minutes meaning that he likely like stopped and started multiple times yeah and there was a mixture of both manual strangulation and ligature strangulation oh so he said that once he had attacked her he knocked her out and while she was unconscious he pulled her clothing off and he went and got a first aid kit and he pulled ointment out of the first aid kit to use as lubrication so that he could rape her but he'd been unable to achieve an erection, and so he was unable to sexually assault her. Imagine. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then at that point, he doesn't really remember what happened. He must have strangled her, but he doesn't really remember. And he was pretty sure she was still alive when he left the... Oh, what a good guy. When he got up to leave the, mm-hmm. the pump room, he was yeah. pretty sure she was still breathing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he's, like, crying and admitting to all of this. About how old a guy was he? He's, like, 30. Okay. Yeah. This is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so he admits to to all of this, mm-hmm. to the detectives. And so they arrest him and they bring him back to Johnson County so that he can face murder charges for the uh-huh. murder of Allie Kemp. 
he would, this thing would get drawn out. So that happened in 2004. He was arrested in 2004. Mm -hmm. And the trial kept getting delayed because he had all these motions. He wanted to get his confession thrown out. He wanted, because it was obtained illegally. He wanted... On the grounds that he'd asked for his attorney or... How was it obtained illegally? Do you know? Uh, yeah. So initially, I think that was the claim. But they okay. had actually, he'd actually been Mirandized separately for the, when the Kansas detectives oh. spoke to him. So okay. it was obtained well, completely legally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are some questions about, you know, if what the Connecticut police when So the Connecticut detective that he spoke with said that he thought he was asking hypothetically would he get a chance to speak to his attorney that mm-hmm. he never believed he was invoking his right to an attorney. Um, and he testified to that at trial. Okay. And that had he thought he was invoking his right to an attorney, he would have, of course, let him call his attorney. But the Connecticut police hadn't even interrogated him on the charges that he was arrested for. They had only executed the DNA warrant. Right. Okay. So he did also want to fight to get his DNA thrown out because it was obtained illegally. It was not. It was obtained by warrant, yeah. which he signed. Uh-huh. <laughs> And so this case, oh, his public defender asked to be removed from the case, and the judge huh? denied it. Why did so, the public defender? So they she didn't give a reason, and that's okay. why the judge denied it. He said, unless you have a conflict of interest yeah. that you have not presented, like, you don't get to just say, I'm not doing this case. I mean, not that I blame her. <laughs> yeah. They also asked for the judge to recuse himself from the case because... Well, did they want the moon and the stars? Oh, they sure Good did. Grief. So they said that the judge had scheduled the trial around the district attorney's political schedule. And so that showed... Mm-hmm. Um, um, bias. Bias, yeah. Okay. And so, but the judge refused to recuse himself. Mm-hmm. And so finally, the trial began in December of 2006. Wow. The defense, again, once the trial began, fought hard to get the confession thrown out. Mm-hmm. And the judge looked at all the evidence and determined that Appleby had been properly Mirandized before giving his confession and was like, no, this was obtained legally. And he was allowed that he allowed the full taped confession to be played in court, mm-hmm. which is that's yeah, really hard to. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty damn bad. Yeah. So the prosecution initially had said they were going to seek the death penalty, and they did not end up doing that. Right. Um, But they argued that the murder was premeditated. But the defense was like, no, not only was this not premeditated, it wasn't even his fault. Uh, excuse me? You see, Uh Benjamin Appleby suffered from intermittent explosive disorder. What the hell is that? That sounds made up. <laughs> it's not made up. It is a real disorder. And so he simply had an uncontrollable rage response to being rejected by Allie that day. Well, then everybody on earth would have done that. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. Okay. Rejection is part of the human experience. Not only that, but the jury should absolutely not find him guilty of capital murder because he didn't even think she was dead when he left the pump room. Well, so that the doesn't fact matter. That she died, you know, it should be a lesser charge. Oh, gross. Because when he left, he was pretty sure she was still alive. Oh, great. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So that all that means to me is you could have done something to save her yeah. then. Do you want to know what I think is the most disgusting part of this? Okay. So when Benjamin Appleby confessed, so he said the whole reason his name showed up on the log of people that were there at the crime scene that day Hmm. is because he left at 315. 
Mm-hmm. So how was it when the police were there at five that he was there? He came back because he wanted to see what happened when people found her. Oh, gross. Yeah, I think it's so disgusting. Ugh. And that's how he ended up in the log of people that were at the pool that that evening. Well, you know, thank God. They, exactly. Thank God he was such a crazy idiot. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, so the defense is like, jury, listen, it's not his fault, first of all. Mm -hmm. Second of all, yeah, he killed her. But he didn't actually think he'd killed her, so you can't find him guilty of capital murder. Okay, that's not how that works. It's got to be a lesser charge, you know, accidental homicide or something. Oh, God. (laughs) The jury deliberated for only three hours. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, before returning a guilty verdict on both the capital murder charge and then he was also charged with attempted rape. Mm -hmm. On December 26th, 2006, Appleby, who asked to be excused from his own sentencing hearing... Why? Because he couldn't handle being in the courtroom. Oh, get over it. And the it. judge granted it. The, the Kemp family was furious yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been furious, too. Yeah. So he was not even in the room for his own sentencing. Because that's their chance to get up and mm-hmm. say how yeah. they were impacted. Mm. Yeah. No. Don't like it. I don't like it either. Um. So on December 26, 2006, he was sentenced to life in prison with a hard 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kansas has those um, those hard, they, they're kind of known for their hard 40 law. I'd never heard of a hard 50 law. But mm-hmm. um, so this was, that means that he has to serve 50 years before he is eligible for parole. Wow. And then he was also um, sentenced to an additional 20 years for the attempted rape charge to be served at the end of his oh. hard 50. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So he was Benjamin Appleby was pissed with this sentence. In 2009... If only he'd been there to say something. Yeah. Mm. In 2009, he appealed his sentence on the basis of double jeopardy. What? Yes. So this is really interesting. So he said that because he was convicted of capital murder. Uh Capital murder involves a mitigating circumstance or an aggravating circumstance. Uh The aggravating circumstance that was used to convict him of capital murder was attempted rape he said that that means that they should then not be able to charge him separately with attempted rape oh my god so this appeal went all the way to the kansas supreme court and they agreed with benjamin appleby they said because that was used as the aggravating circumstance he could not then be charged separately with attempted rape and so they i mean it makes it makes sense it does and so they overturned that conviction and reduced that part of his sentence okay um but he was still left with the hard 50 sentence yeah so he's still pissed well you know couldn't happen to a nicer guy i mean who gives a shit so like five years later he appeals again Mm -hmm. and this time he appeals on the grounds um that uh he had ineffective counsel you know, his public defender had tried to leave and they weren't they weren't all in on, you know, mm-hmm. fighting for him, whatever. This appeal is denied. Yeah. Then this guy is still not satisfied. He's pissed about the hard 50. So just this year in August, he filed an appeal. What? And said that um, a hard 50 sentence is unconstitutional. So there was a Supreme Court ruling um, 
couple of years ago uh-huh. that said um, the hard 50 or hard 40 laws have to be imposed by a jury, not a judge. And in this case, the sentence was imposed by a judge. Mm-hmm. And so it that ruling said that um, people could ask for their sentences to be reviewed. Yeah. And so that's what he was doing. So on October 24th of 2019, so this was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He went, Benjamin Appleby went before a judge and was like, this was unconstitutional. Um, A judge imposed this hard 50 sentence. I should get my sentence reduced. You know, a jury didn't didn't give that sentence. And so the Mm -hmm. judge looked it over and he upheld his sentence. Good. Yes. Good. So he will not be eligible for parole until he's like 80 years old. Thank God. Yeah. He will likely not ever get out of prison. Uh, He shouldn't. This case likely would not have been solved without the forward thinking of of Roger Kemp. Yeah. To put the composite sketch on that billboard. This is something, as I mentioned earlier, that other police have used and have had success from. The tipsters who led them to Benjamin Appleby. The reward was Mm $50,000 and it was split between the two tipsters. One of them got $10,000 of it. And the other one who told them that Benjamin Appleby was living in Connecticut was to get the $40,000 remaining. And that was that person was completely anonymous. Okay. And they turned down the reward and asked that it go to the Allie Kemp Foundation. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Roger Kemp said when that happens, it's just such a testament to the people in Kansas City and what, you know, just those good mis- Midwestern values that people have. The Allie Kemp Foundation is amazing. They're still active today. Um, they do scholarships and they do self-defense classes for women. That's how I know this case. It is? I um, <laughs> Before I went to college. Yeah. So I was going to go to college in Boston and, and my mom was the one who was like, yeah, you can go wherever you want. But before you go, it was yeah. the summer before I left, yeah. we went and took a class that was, you know, yeah. I assume just paid for by this foundation. It was a yeah. really good class. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's the only reason I know about this. Although I do kind of vaguely remember, I vaguely remember that case just because it was so scary because there are tons of neighborhood pools around here. Oh, yeah. And we would always go to the neighborhood uh, all pool the time. in the summer. And all the time. Yeah, it was usually one lifeguard. Yeah. Often they're alone. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes, you know, like a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And no one ever thought to be scared of that until that happened. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just one of those cases where this is just like a super nice area. It's just like this kind of thing doesn't happen around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was just like this beautiful girl who was doing so well in life and had her whole life ahead of her. And it was just completely snuffed out by this monster. I really want to know who... Did the tips. I know. So I learned this, too, in this. So Crime Stoppers, um, when they do these tip lines, when they say anonymous, it's completely anonymous. Uh, That person who called in the tip is given a number, Uh like a code number. And that's how they can recontact them or they can call back in. Like, And so... They had a code number for this person, and they Uh tried to reach out to them to give them the reward money, and they turned it down. I don't know about Midwestern values, though. We've got a lot of serial killers out (laughs) here. We do. We have a lot of really nice people, though, too. I know. (laughs) So my cousin was actually friends with Allie Kemp. No way. Yeah, I mean, he attended her funeral. My my dad was telling me this yesterday when I was asking about the pool. Yeah. Yeah, So she went to Blue Valley North. My cousin went to Blue Valley Northwest. Uh Um, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hold on. I want to look up this guy. Appleby. Ronald? Benjamin? <laughs> oh, he's creepy looking. Yeah, he's super creepy looking. Yeah, so I don't know what appeals he could possibly have left, but. Mm. Should we talk about something that, exciting that happened today? Yes. Let me pull up the thing. Where am I going to find it? Hang on. Okay. You guys, we have a very exciting announcement. Yes. Although technically it's not ours, so we're going to ask permission to say this later. And, you know, if she says it can't be said, we won't say it. But over on our Patreon this morning, Geneva posted... This is so exciting. She goes, OMG, my water broke while listening to Bob Moss episode. (laughs) She said, while laughing during the Bob Moss episode this morning, my water broke. I'm calling it now. My baby is an LGTC fan, hoping for a smooth delivery. Wish me luck. Um, We're so excited. We are. We're so excited. And I, of course, commented back, Geneva, if you don't name your baby Brandy, regardless of gender, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) And by that, we mean best wishes. Yes. <laughs> so that's so exciting. I know. That's so exciting. And obviously, the baby's going to be an LGTC fan. Duh. I mean, it's hard to grow an audience, but this is a great way to do it. Just give birth to more audience members. <laughs> birth to more audience members. Oh, um, people might have noticed that there's no Norman this episode. Oh, I'm so sad. I know. You didn't even give me any warning. I just showed up here today, and you're like, oh, by the way, Norm's gone. Oh, I'm sorry that it's uh, me. Did you murder him? I guess you'll find out eventually. I mean, there's <laughs> all, you're only going to let this go on for so long. <laughs> no, Norman is visiting his family back home. Ugh. So it's just you and Stink and me. Peanut's here. Hi, Peanut. Peanut is barely awake over here. And she's not much of an audio engineer, so... So all this to say that Brandy has asked our Discord for questions. And if you're like, oh, my God, how do I become a part of that? I'm here to tell you. That's right. Tell us how to get in the Discord, Kristen. It's only $5 a month. You join the appellate court at $5 a month and you are in our Discord chatting away. You get to listen to bonus episodes. And if you're like, my God, I must have more. That's the $7 level. That's when you're inducted into the Supreme Court. You get a sticker. You get our little signatures. Some people call that an autograph, but I'm an alien from outer space. (laughs) It's my first day speaking English. (laughs) You get all the benefits of all the lower tiers and videos coming soon. Okay, we've got some good questions coming, Kristen. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Don of 952, that's his screen name. Okay. Don 952 asks, where would you go on your dream vacation? Oh, oh, oh. This is very tough. It is tough because I have like two. I want to go to New York City. I've only been for work before. And so I want to go for fun and like see all the shows and do all the stuff. Uh That's one of them. And then my other is to go like on a tropical vacation and be on a beach and get tan and drink, you know, drinks out of coconuts and (laughs) stuff like that. Which which tropical location? Just any? Uh, I want to go to um, Belize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you making a face like that? Is I don't know. It, is is it that you just want to go? Is so Belize bad? still safe? Are you still allowed to go there? Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I assume. <laughs> I wondered why you were making that face. Because uh, my dad's going to be, my dad will oh. immediately be like, absolutely not. You cannot go to Belize. And here are eight reasons why. So you want to go to a tropical vacation <laughs> outside of Johnson County, Kansas? Not allowed. Um, I really want to go to Spain. I've never been to Ooh, Spain. Yeah. But, oh, 
just seems yeah. like fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to go everywhere. So. Okay. Lady in Blonde wants to know, who were your celebrity crushes growing up? <laughs> Should we do each other's? Yeah. Brandy was in love with Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, I did. Those eyebrows. Oh, and that puppy dog look he always had. You're so weird oh. about eyebrows. There was a guy in our high school <laughs> who, I, I'm going to say he looked like Freddie he Prince looked, Jr. He did. Brandy would just stare longingly. <laughs> Turned out to be gay. But, you know, hey, hey. <laughs> Kristen's was Heath Ledger. Oh, my God. Oh, obsessed. Obsessed. Had the poster. <laughs> hair was so gross what are you talking i'm about? talking about his gross hair i know what you're talking about. i guess you know it did look a little greasy but yes. that was the bad boy we can't all go for eyebrows brandy i also loved as i got a little bit older i also loved mark mcgrath i had posters oh, of mark yeah, mcgrath did, all over my bedroom god speaking of gross hair <laughs> no he had like the frosted tits i know oh he had all those tattoos you know, he's gotten, like, all of his tattoos removed. Well, I'm sure they were all stupid. <clears throat> he had McGrath across his back. <laughs> he had his own name. Cool. Yeah. He had, like, he had sparrows on his throat. He looked like a badass. His frosted tips were legendary. You, the frosted tips, the puka shell necklace, oh. the tattoo. I know. Oh. I'm, uh-oh. She's getting Ooh, worked did I up, have a guys. <laughs> Ooh, Melinda asks, mm-hmm. what would your last meal be? <gasps> oh, that's tough. It's too hard. I don't know if I can I do love it. so much food. Oh, there'd have to be pizza because that's my favorite food. Okay. But I don't want to just have pizza. Well, what you think? they they're... A pizza and then I would have a pizza shop salad, which mm-hmm. is my favorite thing in the world. And if you're not from around here, you have no idea what that is. What's on it? It's a Midwest salad, so it's got it all is. kinds it's, of crap. It's um, So it's this pizza chain that was started here in in it was actually started in shawnee and so but it's branched out to more areas in the midwest i think there's some in nebraska and oklahoma now anyway other exotic locales salad is super basic it is just like romaine lettuce Mm -hmm. mozzarella cheese yep bacon bits Mm -hmm. pepperonis Uh uh-huh and then the best dressing you've ever had in your life and it's it's pink pink yeah pink it's called the pink stuff yeah oh so freaking good what kind of pizza Mm. Like where from or what flavor? No one says what flavor pizza. What topping? Yeah. <laughs> Are you asking what toppings? Yes. Probably pepperoni. Pepperoni is my favorite. All right. Um, and then I'd have to have dessert, of course. What would your dessert be? Mm, that's tough. Probably pie of some kind. Okay. Yeah. Coconut cream, mm. lemon meringue. All right, yeah. Yeah. What does um, yours be? You know what I love? Hmm. I love a good, like, Thanksgiving spread. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys, we went out for Mexican, and I've been trying to cut back on meat, and I got you like the most it. disgusting-looking meal you've ever ordered, it, I swear. It looked really bad. And I like chilaquiles, but ugh, that was not... <laughs> That was not good. It looked like there was a string cheese on top of some tortilla chips that someone had already eaten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they usually crumble up the queso fresco. And this, I don't know if they were like, we don't have the time. Um, it was not good. Um, but yeah, I would do like a Thanksgiving spread with all the sides Ooh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right around the corner. I know. Maybe Ooh. that's why I answered that mm. way. What would you have for dessert? Oh, God. 
You're like an ice cream custard person. No, 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 no. Whoa, excuse me. You don't know me. <laughs> no, I do like custard. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? Custard does. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I would not have the raspberry concrete. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what you'd have. All right, all right. <laughs> Ooh. Ma'am. Ma'am. Oh, it's my mom. If you could see anyone or any group in concert, who would it be? Oh, my God. Oh, I know. Who? <laughs> so, okay. My mom and Kyla, for my birthday, we went to see Celine Dion in concert. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like, I would have never been like, oh, we have to go see Celine Dion, but, like, it was my birthday. We kind of wanted to do an event. And like, you know, Kyla was like, oh, we could go do a race together. But I'd just done the marathon. And, and anyway, we went to see Celine Dion. It was amazing. It yeah. was the best. And just so much fun. Like Kyla and I were. Yeah. Um, it got me thinking about what would be really fun to see. And I think. That if you and I went to see the Spice Girls. Uh, that would be amazing. It would be the best it thing would be ever. Amazing. We would die. We yes, would die we on would. the spot. We would die. You'd have to have your pizza shop salad beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> so someone who I am dying to see. So there's this artist. She's an Australian artist. She's not that well known here. Um, she's kind of like an alternative artist. But she uh, toured the United States once, like as an opening act when uh-huh. she was first starting out, and she's not been back to the U.S. since. And I want her to come here so bad. Her name is Amy Shark, and she's like my freaking favorite right now. And she's actually in the United States right now, and I'm hoping she's like gonna announce that she's doing a U.S. tour. I thought you were gonna say, I hope she's listening. No, and- no, 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 like I just hope she's gonna announce that she's gonna do a U.S. tour. Okay, okay, she's my favorite. Very good question, ma'am. Ooh, what is your go-to movie to make yourself cry? Oh. Ugh. Steel Magnolias. Oh, that is a good one. Okay, the movie that I remember crying the hardest in, and my mom can attest to this, because she was like, are you physically okay? Uh Uh-huh. The other sister. Oh, yeah. Because I have that secondhand embarrassment thing, you know? And there's a part where she's just horribly, horribly embarrassed in that movie, and I just like bawled my eyes yeah, out that was hard yes. i know exactly the part yes. you're talking about oh 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 it was like just physically painful for me to watch it and i was so young when i saw yeah, it i was yeah. just like ball my mom was like it is a movie <laughs> i was like i can't handle it <laughs> the hardest i've ever cried in a movie was the notebook oh yeah i mean yeah i remember driving home from the movie theater with my ex and just <laughs> And I think he was afraid we were going to die in the car that night. Yeah, I did cry really hard in the notebook, uh-huh. too. <laughs> oh, that was Kay Burns that asked that. Oh, I don't okay. think I said that. Ooh. Ooh. What we got? Agthoven? A-Agthoven? A-G-T-H-O-V-E-N. I I'm sorry know. for not knowing how to pronounce your handle. Said, since you guys are going to visit case sites... Would you rather visit the snake house or the spider house? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh. I mean, both of them claim that they've been remedied. I am. I'm the one that's scared of spiders. I'd rather go to the spider house. Really? Yeah. Because of the snake tunnels? It was just too freaky? Yeah. Well, I just think it's easier. 
Uh, do I have to go inside? <laughs> well, of course. Of course. Wait, I don't want to go inside the spider house. No one wants to go anywhere near these houses. But I mean, I think that's I'd what stay, the- I'd take a picture outside the spider house from the curb. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a. That's not at all what this question. I think it is. <laughs> a snake could still attack me on the curb. A spider's not going to get me. If it's a brown recluse, you probably wouldn't even know. Oh, it's just in my hood. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I don't want to go to either of them. No. I changed my answer. <laughs> so if I had to choose, yeah, snake house or spider house. <sighs> The thing I'm thinking is at least with the snakes, they're big enough that I would spot them. Yeah. But a brown recluse... I'd just be in your hair right now, Kristen! You know what? I'd have to go to the spider house. You... Ugh. I'd have to. I, I could not do the snake house. I can't even talk about it. I know. You're very... You're very, like, cringed up right now. I'm compact. You're compact. I'm a compact friend right now. Um... Yeah, I'd probably go to the snake house. <laughs> All right, well, let's go. <laughs> uh. Um, ooh. There's a question for you and a question for me. So we each answer for the other person. Okay. What's the other person's secret talent? Hmm. I have one that relates to a game we used to play. One for you. It relates to a game we used to play when we were kids at sleepovers. What is it? You can write with your feet. <laughs> can I? Do you remember that game, Hidden Talents? You know what? I was and better you, at that. Yes, you were like the only one who could actually do it. Suck on that, everyone. <laughs> that thing you do with your tongue. Oh, yeah. That sounds, that sounds I'm sorry. filthy that dirty. Sounds awful. Okay, that sounds what, filthy dirty. What do you... What I do can you touch that? my tongue to my nose. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> I have the world's longest tongue. It's, oh, God, we should stop. <laughs> it's freakishly long. Yeah, I can touch my... Okay, well... Yeah. This is a podcast where people listen, so all they heard I'm was... I'm sure they could hear me. ...your gross mouth noises. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd say that's your that's your talent right there. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, what you got? Um, oh, that came from someone who's um, rudely uses a weird font for their <laughs> username, and I couldn't possibly read it. Um, chunky something. <laughs> <laughs> chunky something. Thank you, Chunky something. Chunky wingdings. <laughs> Um, oh, this one comes from Old Timey Disclaimer. Oh, I love that. Um, if you could have the Dateline crew cover any old timey case, what case and who would do the interviews? Okay, Keith okay, Morrison. Keith Morrison. Duh. Torn Love Letters. Oh, yes. 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 Torn love letters. Oh. Okay. Oh, what episode is that? I don't know. It's an old one. And I remember. It's an old one. Um, I remember that was one of those where was it episode eight where we hadn't figured out the audio yet? Yeah, so the it's a good episode, it, but it's an excellent episode. It's okay. It's not like you guys listen to this or anything, so you'll be fine. Episode seven. Yeah, so close. Terrible audio. Great story. Excellent story. <laughs> Even better hosts. <laughs> All right, should we wrap? Yeah, it up? Yeah, thank you, thank you for the questions, guys. We appreciate it. It's always fun. They were some great questions this time. <laughs> Not like last time. Not like time. last time. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> All right, guys. We are wrapping up with Supreme Court inductions. This is our final week where we're doing favorite movie snacks. Oh, Brandy, what kind of signal was that you were that giving? Was a, that, was a, that was the stretch it out signal. Yeah, but you I'm, gave me the wrap it up I'm sorry. Signal. I meant to do like a... I knew what you meant, but now I'm because calling I'm, you. I'm still pulling up my Google Drive here. <laughs> Good grief. 
Grandma's got to get her documents oh, in order. My, oh, let me get my papers out. Okay. I'm ready to do Supreme Court inductions. Are you? I'm just waiting on you, Kristen. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Dara. Wait, what are we going to have people do this well, time? Well, normally you do it, and then you just fudge the bucket there. <laughs> no, I come up with it every time, Kristen. You tell them what to do. No, that's not true. One time I did that hilarious Macarena joke. <laughs> If everybody could cha-cha real slow now. <laughs> I feel like I'm at a white wedding. <laughs> and by that, I mean a wedding full of white people. Oh, not like a Billy Idol? No, I realized how that sounded. <laughs> you know when the cha-cha comes on, all the white people get up to dance. <laughs> all right, this will be, like you said, our last week doing favorite movie snacks. Why you got to repeat after me? Well, I... <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting giggling now. Well, you gotta copy everything I say. <laughs> I was reminding people. Okay, so uh, if everybody could stand and cha-cha real slow. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Crisscross. Reverse. 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 <laughs> okay, take it away, Kristen. Dara. Sour Patch Watermelons. Did I say watermelons weird? No, you said it fine. Now you're making it weird. I thought I said watermelons. (laughs) (laughs) Sour Patch Watermelons and Buttery Popcorn. Kyle. Good old-fashioned popcorn. Allison Plemons. Cherry Coke with fresh, hot popcorn. (laughs) Carly. Popcorn. Jeez, people love popcorn. And a gigantic Diet Coke. Michelle Mills. Diet Dr. Pepper, cookie dough bites, and popcorn stolen from my husband. <laughs> Erica Davies, Cherry Ices. Welcome to the Supreme Court! Oh, this is fun. This is so fun. You Guys, know what? We don't need Norm. That's right. We <laughs> no. can't. No, Norm, no. please come back. Come back. <laughs> Baby, come back. <laughs> you can blame it all on me. <laughs> That'll for sure make sure, him come sure back. Sure make him he'll, come he'll hear that and be like, oh my God. <laughs> How have I stayed away? <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it so much, more than we can say, really. Um, if you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social on social media. <laughs> or on the social media. <laughs> <laughs> We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, all those places. Um, once you've done that, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the New York Times, Time Magazine, Vanity Fair, ABC News, Vox, Billboard, and the Rolling Stone. And I got my info from an episode of Stolen Voices, Buried Secrets. (gasps) An episode of the Generation Y podcast, The Court Records, as well as articles from the Kansas City Star, The Lawrence Journal World, and Fox 4 KC. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 